Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdog's Bark. My name is Drew, and for those of you who don't know me, I consider myself a watchdog. So I've decided to bark <laughs> or warn the sheep about a lot of things that are going on. And if you listen to my last podcast, you'll know this podcast is all about what is happening in our education system. By the way, right now, I want to clarify something. A friend of mine pointed out the fact that I speak very definitively. And that's true. I do. Uh, after all of my research and stuff, I just want everyone to know these are still only my opinions. All right. So I, if anyone thinks that I'm trying to say that I am right and you are wrong, that is not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to let you know what conclusion I've come to in my research. So just to put that out there, uh, these are my opinions. And you may disagree with these opinions. And please, if you do, write me, Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Okay, let's get back into it. Everything going on right now, the craziness in our education system, has been planned. It's a multi-generational plan to demoralize and desensitize our children. Uh, the reason why I started looking into this, I watched a video on YouTube of a former Russian KGB agent who defected to the U.S. His name is Yuri Bezmanov. Definitely look it up on YouTube. There's about an hour-long interview where he details everything specifically, but also there's about a 13-minute cut that explains the four-step process to demoralize and desensitize and destroy our country from the inside. As a matter of fact, listen to what he says here. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. Actually, it's overfulfilled because demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, even if I shower him with information, with, with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he, he is going to receive a kick in, the, in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. Did you hear what he said? When someone is completely demoralized, they won't even recognize the truth if it's right in front of them. Does that sound familiar with a lot of people today? That we can have things that are absolutely 100% proven true and they still don't believe it. Let's think of an example. Oh, I know. The vaccine. <laughs> when the vaccine was first introduced and being uh, distributed around the country, everyone, Dr. Fauci, all of the uh, uh, news anchors, everything. I remember watching Rachel Maddow saying, well, here, let me let you listen to her say the words herself. 
instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way, now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, we know that's not true. And guess what? Now we know. It doesn't stop you from getting COVID. As a matter of fact, interviews now with the people at Pfizer have revealed they never tested whether or not the people that got the shot could still get and spread COVID. Isn't that the reason why we started the vaccine to begin with, to stop the spreading of the virus? Just a thought. And now, referring back to the original Yuri Bezmenov video, did you hear the part about Andropov would be blown away at the success of the demoralization of the U.S. public. And keep in mind, this video was recorded in 1985. Can you imagine how much worse it's gotten since then? We have Americans trying to destroy Americans because we have different beliefs. How did that happen? Also, uh, listen to what else he says in this interview. So basically, America is stuck with with demoralization. And unless, even if if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating a new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normalcy and and, uh, patriotism. Did you hear that? Even if we started now to, how would you even put that? Stop the brainwashing or deprogram, I think. Uh, It would take 15 to 20 years to undo what has been done over the last few generations. That's scary. And believe me, if you watch some of the videos of the insanity that is being allowed in our schools, in our classrooms, it just literally leaves me slack-jawed. Okay, so let me explain how this happened. Actually, I'm going to go back even before the real programming started happening, uh, and that was with the Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance was actually designed to get children to pledge allegiance or fealty to the state. It was written originally in 1892 by Francis Bellamy. The original words of the Pledge of Allegiance were, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And later, different things have been added, uh, United States of America, and then we know in 1954, President Eisenhower added the words, Under God. And at the time, the original author, Francis Bellamy, who wrote the original Pledge of Allegiance, uh, his daughter objected to this alteration. But that's how it stands today. Well, we are one nation under God. I believe with all of my heart that our founding fathers were divinely 
inspired when they wrote the Constitution. Again, you may disagree with this, and if you do, please don't hesitate to write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Now, since then, the Pledge of Allegiance has become a very patriotic thing. Now, when Francis Bellamy wrote the Pledge of Allegiance, he also wrote instructions that all children are to stand, face the flag, put their hands over their heart, and start the Pledge of Allegiance. And when they said, the flag, they were to put their arm straight out towards the flag. Now, what does that sound like? Hmm. Uh, The reason why they stopped that and only had children hold their hands over their hearts for the entirety is because it did look too much like a Nazi salute. So let's talk about the generations and what has happened over the last, let's say, 20, 30 years. We know back in the 90s, uh, something was introduced into the education system called Common Core. And I know a lot of parents uh, that have talked to me about their uh, attempt in understanding Common Core and trying to explain it to their children when we were just memorizing times tables and all the numbers and all that, and it would make math really easy for us. But with Common Core, you have to do 10 and 10 and 10 and 10, and then this is 2 and 2, and this is 4 and 2, and this is... And it's just ridiculous. Well, Common Core was introduced not to make things easier. It was actually introduced to make things harder, to discourage children, and, for lack of better words, to dumb down the education system. All right, so that was the first step. Then the next step, which happened with the millennials, okay, they were raised with participation medals and no more grades or competition. So that really didn't prepare them at all for life in the real world. And so they went out into the real world and like freaked out because the real world is harsh and there's competition and it's brutal. And they weren't prepared correctly. Well, now we have that generation, the millennials, raising kids. Heaven help us. They're the parents. And they're the leaders. And the ones running corporations. And the school administrators. So they're the ones now teaching children that they have to have safe spaces and trigger warnings and microaggressions for warning. What? (laughs) You have to be warned to not be offended? Okay, let's, let's take a little tiny side road here and talk about the Constitution. You know, one of those subjects that's not taught in schools anymore, and particularly the Bill of Rights. Let's talk about the First Amendment. The First Amendment protects your right to free speech. It does not protect your right to not be offended. It is my belief that to have true freedom of speech, you must be willing to defend what is being said that you vehemently disagree with, with the same vigor that you would defend someone that says something that you 100% agree with. That is true free speech. 
any censorship that starts to happen takes away free speech. And a lot of people say, well, how about, you know, the things that are offensive and and, uh, that are, you know, inciting violence and stuff like that. Unless it's specifically saying and targeting individuals with specific forms of violence, that is protected speech. Okay? And once you start censoring that, that's when free speech dies. Because who determines what's hate speech? Who determines what's offensive? When each new administration gets into leadership positions, do they then get to determine what is hate speech? And if it's completely diametrically opposed to what the previous um, administration determined was free speech, then what happens? See, this is a very slippery slope when we go down this censorship. And once you start, it becomes a free-for-all. So we must protect free speech. And yes, that means the things that would even offend you. Remember in my last uh, episode at the very end when I said you have to choose to be offended? It's true. You cannot give offense. You have to take offense. Think about that. All right. Now, sadly, some of the millennials now have kids that are in school and they are being bombarded with complete crap, in my opinion. Critical race theory which teaches children, if you are born with a white skin, you are an oppressor. You don't have any choice. It doesn't matter how your parents raised you. You are an oppressor. And you should feel guilty and shame for being born white. And if you are born with a black skin, you may as well not even try because the system is stacked against you. So why even put in the effort? What a bunch of horse crap to raise children to either feel guilty for one color of skin or to give up and not even try if you have another color skin. That's ridiculous. And really only being taught to children to divide them. Then we have gender theory. And things are so screwed up today in classrooms. You have children identifying as furries. Those are children who identify as animals. They're meowing in class. They're eating out of their food out of bowls. They're using litter boxes. I mean, we have gone completely insane. Remember when we were kids and we said, I want to be a dog. I want to be a dinosaur. I want to do that. Parents are going, oh, really? Okay, we'll raise you like that from now on. What would you like to be called? Spot? Petunia? What do you want to be called? You know, this is ridiculous. We have children being raised by children who don't understand that parents need to be the adults. Parents need to be the disciplinarians. Uh, It's proven over and over and over again that if a child is raised with discipline and standards, They grow up to be much more productive members of society. 
These children that are identifying as furries right now and boys identifying as girls when they're five or six or seven, they're not going to grow up to be productive members of society. That's going to be their sole purpose. Their sole focus is their identity. Oh, just to let you know, I'm going to talk more about critical race theory, gender theory, the 1619 Project, all those things. But those are originally were being taught in our universities and colleges. Uh, they have since seeped into our elementary schools, but I will save that for next podcast when I'm talking about the uh, college and university education. Also, if you want to know the real reason why our Attorney General Merrick Garland decided to label parents showing up at school board meetings to protest as domestic terrorists? Well, there's a real reason for that. You see, Merrick Garland's son-in-law, Jan Tanner, actually works for a company or is actually co-founder of a company called Panorama Education. They provide the school curriculum for most of the public schools in our country. And that curriculum includes CRT, gender theory, and other things parents would definitely disagree with. Huh, isn't that interesting? Can you say conflict of interest? Kind of explains why Merrick Garland is so intent on keeping parents out of school board meetings protesting, doesn't it? There's a reason why the left is fighting so hard against school choice. They don't want families to have a choice of their children to go to private schools or religious schools because they might learn to be patriotic or how our country was really founded and the Constitution and Bill of Rights and, you know, crazy, silly things like that. Or learn about God. <gasps> oh, no. Also, let me clarify one other thing. All right. When I say Democrats, I don't mean the entire population of Democrats. I believe I, I am meaning the leadership of the Democratic Party and the ones that make decisions about this stuff. So just the same as, you know, when Donald Trump said he called, uh, I don't know, it was Haiti and a couple, uh, other countries, asshole countries. He wasn't talking about the people that live in the countries. He was talking about the governments and how they run those countries. Same thing. When I say Democrats, I'm talking about the leadership of the Democrats. Okay. And the far left. We'll just go there. Far left. Okay. So the far left is fighting to keep books in grade schools that basically describe and have illustrations of pornography in an attempt to sexualize children. Because once you start that sexual train running, it never stops. And if you can get them to start earlier and earlier before puberty hits, they're really going to be confused and frustrated when all those hormones are piled on to an already extremely sexualized child. You can listen to all kinds of psychologists about this. So, like I said, all of this is on purpose. And as Yuri Bezmenov said, 
the leaders of the Russian party back then and the communist leaders today could not be more pleased with how our country is being destroyed from the inside. And it's kind of a funny fact that uh, the president of the second largest teachers union in our country was raised by communists. That's right. Randy Weingarten, her parents were both communists. Huh. That's really interesting, isn't it? But the reason why this is all happening is to break the children. I know that's hard to hear, but it's true. Not only break them mentally and frustrate, but also to break them from their parents' influence. Why do you think most of the teachers' unions are demonizing parents so much? You see, they want the children broken from their parents' influence. They want their children to hate their parents and not trust them because the ultimate goal in this is to have the state raise the children. Now, what does that sound like? Uh, communism? Mm-hmm. Vladimir Lenin said it best when he said, give me a child for eight years and they'll be a Bolshevik for life. Think about that. All right, so now you know why all of this is happening. Now it's up to you. It's up to the parents. Keep going to those school board meetings, protesting. Keep raising your voice. You know, keep going to parent-teacher conferences and question the teachers. Now, I have nothing against teachers. Absolutely not. I have some very good friends of mine are teachers, and I highly respect the teachers. Uh, they're just teaching what they're told to teach, and that's it. But I think even some of the teachers need to start waking up and start realizing, you know, hey, uh, I don't think I should be teaching this very mature subject to five-year-olds. Uh, I think that is going to be something that we're going to have to all become aware of. And sadly, like Yuri Bezmenov said, even if we started at square one right now and started educating all of the children correctly and correcting all the history books and all that stuff and getting everything back to the way it's supposed to be, it's going to take 15 to 20 years to undo the damage that the far left has already done. Okay, really quickly, a couple of comments about current events. First of all, Nancy Pelosi is ending her reign as Speaker of the House. Yes, this indeed makes me very happy. But also, I have to admit, I admired her. Even though I disagreed and did not like her at all, I admired her. She had an iron fist, and she ruled that way. I wish we had a couple of Nancy Pelosi's on the other side. Oh, and by the way, just to let you know, um, for about 20 years, I left the Republican Party. It was because I knew they were weak. You see, for a long time now, the Democrats, uh, or let's say the far left, okay? The far left has fought nonstop while they are in power. They push and push and push and push and push and push. 
and they never stop fighting. And the far left, and you could interchange that with Marxists or communists at this point, and I don't know if you know much about the communists and how they fight. They fight to win no matter the cost. And until the people on the right, the Republicans, conservatives, learn how to fight the same way, we're never going to gain back all of that ground that we've lost. See, because what's happened over history is Democrats have pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until the point where the American public becomes so upset and angry that they vote Republicans into power. And then Republicans just go, okay, all right, all right, we've stopped the bleeding. All right, they're not going to push us any further left. It's okay. Woo, okay, all right, we'll just stay here. And that's all they do. And then when the Democrats get back into power, they start pushing from where they left off. We no longer have a right and a left in this country. We have a left and a far left. There is no right and conservative anymore. They've, the whole country has been pushed to the left. And then one other thing about Donald Trump announcing his candidacy for 2024. Uh, I have mixed feelings, honestly. Uh, I think he proved that he can stand up against most anything. And I haven't seen anybody else prove that they can stand up. While he was president, he was attacked relentlessly. He and his family and his business partners and anyone that had anything to do with him was attacked mercilessly, constantly. And I believe the reason is Donald Trump represents the biggest obstacle and threat to world governance. I know that sounds kind of conspiracy theory, but uh, also I'll cover in a future episode uh, those that want world governance. I think if you really think about it, you can figure out who it is. They're not being secretive about what they want anymore. I mean, we have people that are talking about world governance and uh, the Great Reset and uh, things like that. As a matter of fact, if you go to, there's one uh, hint uh, in research I'll give you before I talk about it. Go research World Economic Forum and watch a video on there. They have a video that actually says, in the future, you will own nothing and everyone will be happy. Uh, did you hear that? You'll own nothing. Well, someone's going to have to own everything. Gosh, I wonder who that might be. But anyway, Donald Trump got into the race and uh, I'm happy. But like I said, I, it is going to be a bloodbath. If he, if he wins again, we know the left is going to attack him mercilessly. And the reason is, is he is the biggest threat to world governance. I, I like Ron DeSantis. You know, I like Nikki Haley. Uh, I like other ones. Uh, that are considering running, but none of them has had to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the media, social media, one-party, corporations, Hollywood, all aligned against them. No one else has proved that they can handle that. So until someone can prove that, uh, I'm probably going to vote for Trump again. And then on a very serious note, um, a 
comment about the four University of Idaho students that were stabbed to death uh, in their sleep. I, I, I can't imagine a more horrific and terror-inducing way to be woken up from your sleep than being stabbed to death. Um, I really hope they catch this person. Um, my heart and prayers go out to the families and community and friends of those four students. They didn't deserve what they got. And I just, my heart is broken thinking about how that can happen. Uh, and sadly, it can. And then lastly, I always like to end on a positive note. Everyone knows this. Oh, and incidentally, like I said, next episode will be all about what's happening to our education system in the college and university level. So be sure and come back and listen to that and tune into that. And please follow. I would love for you to follow my podcast and uh, let's get involved. Let's get a conversation started about all this. I, I welcome those who disagree. Uh, I find that I learn more from listening to people that I disagree with than I do with always talking to people that I agree with. And I also, sadly, have learned that some people have gotten to the point where they don't want to associate or be friends with people that disagree with them. After the 2016 election, I lost what I thought were very close friends and family. Uh, won't even talk to me anymore because I voted for Donald Trump. So I don't know what it is. Uh, and as far as I can tell, most of my conservative and Republican friends haven't disowned and unfriended their liberal friends. But many of them have been unfriended by their liberal friends. So which party is it that's the party of tolerance again? Hmm. All right. So again, I want to get this conversation started. So if you have any comments, good or bad, you know, I welcome it all. Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Okay. As I always like to do, I want to leave you with a positive note. Uh, there was a teacher who was teaching a group of students and he said the following, if you had $86,400 and someone robbed you and took $10, would you be willing to give up the rest of your money to get those $10 back? And of course, all the students looked at each other and looked at the teacher and said, no, of course not. That would be silly. And he says, okay, you have 86,400 seconds in every day. When someone offends you or does something you don't like or agree with or um, disparages you in any way, that may take about 10 seconds out of the day. Are you willing to give up the rest of your day to get those 10 seconds back? Think about that. How many times... When someone offends you or upsets you, do you stay mad at them the whole day? What a colossal waste of time. Just let it go. Elsa said it best in the movie Frozen. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> All right. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. 
I always love to end on a little bit of a light note, and uh, I hope you learned that about me. Uh, also, you can offend me. <laughs> I don't allow people to offend me. And uh, I rarely hold on to grudges. Sometimes, even when people have cut me out of their lives, uh, I have, you know, I let it bother me for a little while. But then after a while, I'm like, okay, I'm over it. Can we move on now? Uh, There's just no reason to hold on to grudges and anger and, you know, bitterness like that. You're only hurting yourself. By doing that, uh, you're not hurting the person you're, uh, you've cut out of your life. You're hurting yourself because you're holding on to that anger and bitterness that is keeping you from reconnecting with them. So think about that. Thanks so much again for tuning in. Please follow and tell everyone about this. I hope to get a very large audience and conversation going about all of this. We need to start talking to each other, even if we disagree. I really miss being able to talk openly and honestly with everyone. Uh, We've all become too sensitive and, uh, you know, get offended. I, I know people out there that are actually looking all day long for ways to be offended. Ugh. As I said before, what a colossal waste of time. Well, tune in next time to the Watchdogs Bark. And in the meantime, create an amazing day.